Hey everyone, happy June! Welcome to another long-awaited episode of Hey Jen. I'm your host, Jenna, and I'm super excited and happy to be back. This episode is actually a special one, as you can probably tell from the picture used in the episode cover, as well as the title because it marks a milestone. Your girl has officially graduated from university, and I'm currently waiting for my diploma in the mail, but it's definitely been a very crazy year. Like, if you asked me back when I was in first year, never would I have imagined that I would finish my last exam and attend my graduation ceremony online, but that's something else. I digress. So, why did I make this episode? Well, the main reason is that I wanted to give back to everyone who is either still in school or about to enter school the four key learnings or the four types of learnings that I've extracted in four years' time. And they'll be broken down into four categories, social life, academic life, professional life, and personal life. The four areas that I believe undergoes the most change and realizations during your youth slash early adulthood. So in a sense, I guess you can take it as a graduation gift. With that said, I hope you enjoy what you are about to unbox. Let's go! Starting it off with social life, I think this is the biggest defining factor of university. This is often the most portrayed aspect of university life in movies, and you often hear the saying that the friends that you make in university are the ones that stick around for the longest time, the years that you spend in university are going to be some of the best years of your life, and although all of them are true to their own extent, I'll say that I never really took it to heart until my graduation ceremony, where I thought, well, they weren't exaggerating, maybe I should have listened a bit more and really took advantage of the social setting in university. There's beauty in kicking back and letting loose with your group of friends, embracing your crackhead moments together for lack of a better word, crying over bad exams together, and struggling through courses together. And to be honest, I regret being too conservative, almost, in my interactions. Because everything was about finding the perfect friend group, finding the perfect friend, meeting the ideal person. Like, I was almost trying to make everything align to the point where I missed out on a lot of things and experiences that could have been very valuable. So with that said, the first key thing that I learned with regards to social life is to take risks and to keep an open mind. Try something that you've never done before with people that you haven't hung out with extensively yet or at all. Because in my opinion, and looking back, that's the best way to make friends in your first year at least. Because everybody is new, everybody wants to get to know everyone, everyone's down to be best friends. After all, university is the time to build relationships and exit the comfort zone. Whether it's exploring that new hidden bar once campuses reopen or having a beach bonfire with your roommates, I think there's always a first to everything, mostly in university. So let yourself be keen and curious to explore campus and what it has to offer. This involves both events, initiatives, and people. In your first year, say hi, get to know as many people as you can, and that's something that I didn't do as much. 
I honestly felt that my social circle had to fulfill certain criteria and I had to make it look like the movies exactly. But it's important to understand that what's portrayed in the movies aren't exactly realistic and they don't depict what real university life is like. By meeting different people, you'll likely have your viewpoints challenged, you'll be able to get new perspectives, and after all, it'll just help you grow and build a richer mindset upon each interaction. Looking back, what I now believe is that everyone carries with them a story that needs to be told, including yourself. So why not stop by and be a listener to that story? Maybe that story can intertwine with yours and something beautiful can grow out of it. Be it a joint initiative, a rare kind of friendship that you didn't know existed, a potential relationship, whatever it is. The moral is you never know where a simple yes to unfamiliar experiences or maybe even saying yes to sitting next to someone new that day can take you. And the second piece of learning is to join clubs. Spending lots of time with the same group of people will undeniably allow you to get closer with them and eventually become friends. And that's how I met some of my closest friends actually, by joining clubs and being a part of different extracurriculars. Even though our time was spent doing club work for the most part and attending meetings, it was nonetheless a very valuable opportunity to get to know someone outside of their club role. And after all, being a part of different clubs and initiatives is a great way of brightening your university experience, adding color to your journey. So go beyond small talk when you interact with your club members and really get to know them. Get to know more people, expand your network, because you never know who you will meet and you never know where that one interaction will take you in life later on. Now that we have unboxed the key learnings of social life, let's move on to academic life. I feel like this is an over-portrayed component of university, like the all-nighters, the study groups that are more like library hangouts, pre-exam mental breakdowns, all of these are far too common in my opinion and based on my experience. And from the perspective of someone who has experienced all of the aforementioned points and had my own memorable moments with them, here are some things that I wish I knew and took to heart. And these are things that I'm passing forward. Of course, what matters to you depends on the goals and aspirations that you have with regards to schooling, but the following key learnings will be things that I wish I knew based on the goals that I have in life. The first one is to not forget the grind that brought you here. Let me explain. This is the one thing I wish I knew or recognized when I first started university. When we were in grade 12, we had our stressful moments and honestly, it was the most stressful year ever. We were afraid of not getting into university, we were concerned about university admissions, the competition that came with it, and it might have been the year where we hustled the hardest. To be honest, I kind of dropped it all. I regret buying into this over-portrayed narrative of having fun instead of studying, kind of like treating school like the second option in a sense, underestimating the impact of failure almost like you've let go completely after making it in. And I completely get that it's natural to relax a bit and to not be as stressed as you were when you were in grade 12, but it's important to not buy into the false narrative of just getting by and being fine that way. And why do I say this? 
It's the creation of a safety net. At least that's what I call it. Soon you'll realize that for certain jobs, and especially if you're considering further schooling, your grades do matter to a certain extent. Sure, I think there's always an opportunity to compensate another way, but I mean, why make it difficult for yourself, right? Plans change all the time for most people, and in the case that you want to pivot, but you just don't have the credentials if that's what they require, then you're kind of forced to take a detour or take a longer and more difficult way in order to patch up what wasn't done in the past. And if I could summarize it in one sentence, don't forget what you hustled for. Don't forget what you prayed for. Don't let wonderful opportunities slip by because you chose temporary satisfaction and pleasure instead of choosing to commit to what really mattered at the time. Appreciate the freedom, but don't abuse the freedom because the one who suffers at the end of the day from bad decisions is really yourself. Next, address your lack of motivation rather than just letting it be and letting it pass. The truth is, motivation is fleeting. It can span a few hours to several days to even weeks if you really let it. So what happens if you have deadlines in a couple of days or a short period of time? Do you just not deal with it and rush it at the end just to regret it? Instead, what I found to be helpful was to take my mind off the task and address what's stripping me of my motivation and then dealing with it. Is it a lack of self-confidence that's making me feel as if I shouldn't even bother? Is it the thought of a past mistake that's really haunting me? Is it a lack of interest or the desire to do something else instead? You know, whatever it is, it's important to really introspect and understand yourself, I think. And here's where I clarify or explain my previous key learning a bit about not forgetting the grind that brought you here. When it comes to motivation and your ability to deliver, I think the correct understanding of self-care is important. I used to think, like many people, that self-care was self-indulgence and treating myself, like retail therapy in a sense. But now that I understand, self-care is addressing your shortcomings, even though it's really uncomfortable to think about and you're working on improving it. It might be committing to a 20-minute or 10-minute workout daily or reading a few pages of your book a day in order to grow your knowledge in a certain area even though the book isn't exactly something that you want to read when you have Netflix and other forms of entertainment at your disposal, it's making the conscious effort to build a life that you don't have to escape from by really taking care of yourself and your mental state. It's creating balance. Once the loss of balance happens, then the eventual loss of a sense of self follows, and that is harder to get back than you think. Trust me, I have been through it. So make sure you are well physically, mentally, and emotionally. Otherwise, you can't deliver when you don't have the energy to spare. So if I were to summarize it in one sentence, it would be to understand what's really happening and why you're feeling the way that you're feeling, and then dealing with it. My third point is to not hide from your failures. This was something that I struggled with tremendously, to be very honest. Like, I wouldn't look back onto my past exams, whether the outcome was good or not, and I just wanted something to be done and completely finished. I didn't revisit it for learning opportunities, I shut it out completely. And while I thought that wasn't really a big deal at the time, it wasn't a good habit that I built. It was almost as if I couldn't face what happened, even though it was only for my own eyes to see. 
but what I learned was that the best and fastest way to grow and perhaps the most uncomfortable way to grow is to embrace your failures and take the time to deconstruct it and really understand what went wrong, especially in a very bad exam. Instead of letting ego get in the way and the subconscious urge to prove to yourself that you're not dumb and that the past is behind you, set those aside and be honest and vulnerable with yourself for a sec because you already know what happened but you're not facing it, you're not being honest with yourself. Life happens to be honest, stuff happens and you might fail an exam or maybe two exams but what matters at that point when everything is done is not the outcome but I think it's the ability to sit down, to reflect, and to restore your understanding and any knowledge gaps for the next wave. And this doesn't extend to an exam setting only. It applies to all the times where you're struggling to understand course content throughout the term as well. Which leads me to my fourth point, showing up to office hours. This was something that I underestimated, and here's why showing up to office hours can be a lifesaver. Firstly, frequent interactions build relationships. So when you meet your professor often, and especially if you are the only one or one of the few people who show up consistently to every office hour opening, it shows initiative and effort on your part. Even if you do badly on an assignment or on an exam, your professor will likely do what they can in order to help you pass because they know that you're trying and we're all more inclined to help people who actually try. So what we can take away from this is that real improvement comes from self-confrontation and correction. And of course, don't take notes when you're tired or don't know what's going on because you probably won't go back and review it. On to professional life. Let's be real. I find that if there's one way that universities fail students to some extent or rather underprepares them significantly is job searching. What I noticed is that they don't prepare you for navigating worst case scenarios such as when you get rejected time after time and all you know how to do is build a good resume, write a good cover letter, and interview well. But what do you do when no one's really there to offer you the job? What I often notice is that instead of actually teaching students how to make backup plans and how to navigate rejections, they blast success stories. They talk about the different students who got great placements and you only see the tip of the iceberg. You don't really know what happened behind the scenes. Was that something that they got on their first try or was it something that they finally got after many detours and many moments of realization? So with that said, this leads me to my very first point of opportunity creation. The truth is, if you don't have connections to the place that you want to work at, nor adequate work experience to get your foot in the door, then things get very hard. But it's not the end of the world because in this case, the best thing that you can do is to create your own opportunities. Now, what I mean by that is to find startup founders, small business owners, whoever really who can offer you experience in getting your career set up. Say that through LinkedIn or Flick, you discover someone who just launched a small business but they don't have a functional website set up or maybe they're not properly bookkeeping. And say that you're interested in getting a role in either software development or accounting. Then instead of just joining school clubs and extracurriculars, what you can do is volunteer your time. 
Don't worry about compensation at this stage, just focus on your experience. And then you can use this opportunity to contribute any skills and experiences that you have in order to help them build a website or improve their like money management procedures. So then when roles open up again and when it is time to apply, you have project or work experience to talk about in your resume and in an interview as well, which is a lot better than doing club work because that only helps to a certain extent. And just like that, what you did was create an opportunity for yourself instead of waiting for an offer to be handed out to you, which could either take forever to happen or it cannot happen at all, given how competitive everything is. And this was the hard truth that I took a while to accept. Like, I relied on the timing of job application cycles, thought that I could just use my club experience and extracurricular experiences to be successful. Something that's important to understand is that as time passes, the expectations that employers have will also rise, meaning that you have to upskill yourself in order to compete for that one opening. You know, instead of solely trying to learn technical skills online or rely on coursework, apply it through opportunities that you find and create for yourself. By doing this, you're putting yourself out there and you have actual work and projects outside of school that you can talk about and show off, which can give you more credibility for sure. And you will have built a relationship with the person or the people that you were working for, which allows you to leverage when you need a referral or if you need someone to connect you elsewhere. And what you have to keep in mind is that it may take more than one of these self-created opportunities before you land that job and are given an opportunity. But don't let yourself feel inferior to other people or feel like a failure, which is another thing that university has somewhat indirectly trained our minds to default to. This leads me to my second point, which is to not be afraid to start small. Another thing that university doesn't really teach us to do is to create baby steps or maybe they do but they just don't give it enough weight nor is it very heavily emphasized like the opportunity creation point that i talked about earlier this is very valuable especially when you are navigating unforeseen circumstances or when you just have to give yourself opportunities in order to be noticed i know i made it sound like i was very excited to do it and I was very pumped, but no, I really wasn't. I didn't want to be one of the few people who didn't get offers from big brand names, and I was really afraid of how my peers would see me, that they would think less of me, but the truth is, nobody cares. Nobody is going to sit there and do a LinkedIn audit or mull over how much you suck. The thing is, everyone has their own life to stress about, and in order to be great, you have to start small most of the times. That's what I like to believe, at least. The truth about baby steps is that they help you find and solidify your footing, actually, allowing you to progress faster when the time comes because you will have had more opportunities to build your skills, develop other areas, and just to have more experience so then you ultimately know the way better. And a visual that I saw on LinkedIn, of course, attesting to this is one that featured a person climbing a ladder with the steps placed pretty close together. So as a result, he was actually able to climb at a much faster rate while the other person had the same ladder, but then the steps were very far apart. 
So then what happened was he actually struggled to get from one step to the other step. And what I believe this illustrates is that if you spend time honing a certain area when you or whatever you need to spend time honing, and if you're able to fixate your efforts on opportunities that challenge you, you're actually building a strong foundation and you can use it to distinguish yourself as somebody who is more experienced and perceptive versus someone who seemed to get something right away, but then they're struggling to progress later on. And looking back, it just seemed like I was really afraid of being seen starting small and being perceived as not good enough because I honestly lacked a bit of foresight there and I didn't quite grasp that we all had different starting points, different paths, and different rates at which we are going to progress, but eventually we all get to where we need to be. And on to the final point, interviews are a storytelling opportunity and not so much a template-based recitation. Again, another thing that school or university really doesn't really teach you. You're often taught to interview in a way that allows you to answer the question fully and well, no doubt about that, but they don't encourage you to be unique and stand out amongst a crowd of many other applicants. And in the case where there are, let's say, 20 kids interviewing from the same faculty or from the same business school, it's going to be a cookie cutter repetition of my name is blank and I am in my blank year studying blank and blank at blank university. And imagine if everybody sounds like that, it's going to be very hard to stand out and needless to say, to be remembered. And then what happens afterwards is that they make interviewing sound so scary and intimidating in order to probably plug their career services. And then when you aren't doing better in your interviews, you feel bad about yourself, you go back for more coaching, the cycle continues. When really it's nothing more than a conversation where you're letting the other person in on who you are and why you're a good fit for the job. And having gone through many interviews, I discovered that standing out should be the goal instead of blending in and doing what everyone else is doing. And this is where I think storytelling comes in. Talk about your values and maybe start off with a memorable story of what you were known for or what you liked doing when you were younger. Were you particularly creative or did you like dismantling things and putting them back together? With that said, is that why you chose to become a content creator, an engineer, whatever the profession is, because you realize that the childhood skill you develop was something that you could take with you when you got older, whatever the reason is, and then briefly state what school you go to, what year you're in, and what you study before diving into some of your values and what you can bring to the company. This method, I find, allows for a much more interesting and engaging interview process, and it allows you to stand out and be more confident as well, as well as to be more liked almost as your mindset shifts from am I doing this right, which is relative to everyone else, to am I showing them enough of who I am and why I am one of a kind, which is relative to you and what you are capable of. For the fourth and final topic, let's talk about the most important person, you. The question to ask after unboxing all of these other sections is how do you stay grounded and yourself while leveling up along the way? The first part of the answer is to know your worth and to not obsess over external validators. To really look from within, 
because true value is what you make of it. A common external validator would be awards. I know the feeling of not being called for an award while other people seem to be constantly getting up to receive one. And it really does take a toll on your self-esteem, not going to lie, and you tend to compare yourself to those around you once it happens. But what I want to tell you is not that there's something wrong with you for thinking that, but rather there's always a hint of subjectivity involved in these things. Despite the presence of a clear-cut criteria or a panel of individuals who choose the recipient, these things are beyond your control. Because you can do everything right, you can match every action to the award criteria, you can get recommendations from your friends or other peers, and still not get recognized, and that's okay. I personally think that real value and recognition should stem from character and the outlook that you have on life, as well as your values, rather than a medal or a plaque that's based on how other people see you. So don't punish yourself for not getting recognition. Because at the end of the day, everyone has a different opinion about everything, and it really comes down to the ones with the strongest opinions calling the shots, or maybe the one who feels like they vibed with you the most. You just can't please everyone. Even then, and even if you are successful in pleasing everyone, the person who will be the most disappointed at the end of the day is none other than yourself, because your life was lived for someone else other than yourself. The second part of the answer is to invest in yourself and to broaden your perspectives because your mind is your greatest asset. This kind of goes back to not buying into the typical university narrative and fitting in for the sake of fitting in and trying to be normal or like the others. I know that with all the university memes and the humor of university students, we often laugh at ourselves for being broke AF for being so bad at cooking that we can't turn the stove on without starting a grease fire and sleeping at ungodly hours. But instead of letting that be the norm, and instead of staying stuck in that lifestyle, learn to cook, hit the gym, take care of your health, pick up a new skill, even though you would rather be doing something else. Reset your sleep schedule, whatever it is. I feel that this is something that's often realized later in life because during our university years, we crave for a sense of community. We so badly want to belong and we don't want to be the odd one out because maybe we won't be able to get closer with other people or we just can't relate to typical struggles. But growth and the decision to become the best version of yourself will ultimately distance you from some people and you might lose a friend or two. That's just a hard to swallow pill, I guess, because it means that you're leveling up. You're outgrowing the past version of you. In fact, I commend you for choosing to devote your time to becoming the best version of yourself. That is who you will be stuck with for the remaining seasons of your life. Who you are in the future depends on who you choose to be today. And while you're still young and a student, get the support that you need from others while exploring along the way. In fact, stay a student because learning should never end. This concludes the key lessons that I have learned throughout my university years. University, as you can tell, is quite a whirlwind. You live, you learn, 
and you emerge as a different and better person who is more equipped to take on the world. So never stop being a student, never stop learning, and never stop growing. In fact, embrace learning and have humility in times where your ego feels threatened. Keep an open mind, be it about people, places, or things. Carve out a career journey that is unique and desirable to you. Make it yours. And lastly, be the best version of none other than yourself. At the end of the day, university is a huge milestone, so let it be the incubator for your growth. Do it for you. And of course, have fun while you're at it. Well, this brings us to the very end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this gift that I had to offer, and I hope that the process of unboxing made a positive impact on you and that it will serve as a catalyst to your growth. And of course, congratulations to the class of 2021 and best of luck to everyone else. Regardless of what stage in your education journey that you're in, I hope my message resonated with you today and I hope that you will pay it forward.